Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited and taking time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that you would be edified and Christ would be glorified. For more information about us, I would encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. There you can find out more information about us. We have a statement of faith. There's a prayer list there. And something I never really talk much about, there is a page there. Uh, tab is Podcast Index. And if you have submitted a question, it is on that page where you can see that we have received your question and that we're working on an answer. So I'd encourage you to go there and look if you submitted uh, a question. If you just kind of want to know where we're going to be talking about in future podcasts and answering listeners' questions, you can go there and look as well. And there you will see a list also, there's a way of supporting us, and we always need help uh, in order to keep the podcast going. We hope and pray that you would seriously consider that, and you can do that through our webpage as well. Today, we are going to answer some questions that did come in from uh, a few listeners, and I certainly hope that you have a Bible that you can follow along with us and make sure that uh, we're really reading out of the Bible and not using some other uh, book or just our own uh, thought process. I think you should do that with anybody that you listen to, uh, wherever you go to worship service at, that you have a Bible that you can follow along and make sure that the Bible really is being used. The first question that's come in today, and all it says is from the United States, is uh, I have sinned so much and done all kinds of bad things that God could never forgive me. Well, the answer to that is, short answer is, that's not true. Salvation through Christianity is based off of grace. It is not based off of works, like so many other uh, world uh, religions. Some things that might be considered a work would be the thought process of if I work harder or I try a little harder or perhaps if I give a little bit more money to the church or to some my favorite charity um, doing more good deeds versus bad deeds I know uh, the Muslim faith uh, teaches that as long as you have 51% good deeds uh, you can go into paradise if you have 51% bad deeds well uh, too bad for you. But there are some things in the Bible that are not works, and some groups within Christianity want to place them uh, in, a, in a term of works. And that's, that's sad. And one of those would be repentance. In other words, turning away from the sin, or turning toward God, turning away uh, from those things that you know that God would not like. And I, I've even heard it stated that Jesus never preached or taught repentance. And uh, let's, let's do away with that theory really quickly here. If you want, you can turn to your Bible to Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 15. And this is Jesus here, and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
Uh, some versions might say believe in the good news. And, and so here we have Jesus at the beginning of his ministry teaching uh, repentance. That, that stopping and turning away from evil things, doing sinful things, and turning uh, toward the kingdom of God and doing those things that you know are right. Also, here after the day of Pentecost, it's also being taught um, here by the apostles in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sin may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing might come to the presence of the Lord. So, repentance is being taught uh, before the day of Pentecost, during the time of Jesus, Jesus' own words, and it's also being taught uh, after the resurrection and after uh, the day of Pentecost. Uh, some people say baptism is a work, and I want to say no, baptism is not a work. Baptism is a command. It is an act of obedience. And here again, uh, let's listen to Jesus. Again, this is Jesus talking here in Matthew chapter 28, what's commonly known as the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 17, here he is, he, he's talking to the apostles, and in verse 18, uh, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. That would be everybody, regardless of your skin color, regardless where you're living on the globe, uh, go to all the nations. And notice here, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of age. So here is Jesus giving a command uh, for the apostles to go out and baptize. And, of course, we would see on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter would uh, give that command. He would give that, that directive for people there to repent and be baptized. And as well uh, with Cornelius and later on in the book of Acts. I know a lot of people teach and believe that that command of repentance and baptize was only given to Jews, and now it's given to all nations. Peter simply just repeating what Jesus has already commanded him to do. And it is not an act of works to obey a command. It's called obedience. And so we need to uh, keep that in mind. Praying is not a, a work. Praying is a, a lifestyle that a Christian does. Uh, plain and simple. Uh, a prayer uh, to talk to God, cast your, your burdens on Him, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for guidance, uh, pray for your nation that you live in. Uh, that, is, that is not a work. That is a lifestyle. And there are, there are just hundreds of prayers uh, throughout the, the entire Bible where people are praying to God for one reason or another. And so... We, we need to understand that praying is not a work. And so I want to try to give us some examples here uh, of grace 
And I'm going to talk about a few people here. Turn to Exodus chapter 2 with me. And here you're going to find uh, Moses. Now, a lot of people don't know or don't realize that Moses really, uh, he was a murderer. And so you can find that in Exodus chapter 2 verse 12. And it says, he looked this way and that when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Okay, so he killed uh, an Egyptian, which was a big no-no. You did not do that without Pharaoh's approval. And apparently Moses did not have that approval. And so, and Moses becomes one of the greatest men of the Old Testament. In fact, he writes a lot of the Old Testament, the first five books or so. And he's also considered a leader of God's people. He's considered a prophet. And so, Jesus is going to give credit to this in John chapter 5, in verse 46. John chapter 5, verse 46. For here's Jesus talking again to uh, the Jewish leaders. For if you believed Moses, uh, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how would you believe my words? And so, again, Jesus gives credibility that Moses was a real-life person and that Moses uh, wrote uh, Scripture. He was a leader, and they're all claiming to be followers, or disciples of Moses in some degree. And Jesus said, if you really believed uh, that, you would know who I am. You would believe in who I am. And who I say. Another example is found in Second Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 14. Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 through 16. This is David. Uh, everybody probably has heard of King David, especially if you're uh, in the Jewish community, ever been to Israel, uh, you would know uh, that David is a very popular person even in this day. And so here is here is David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 14 through 16. Now in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by hand of Uriah. He had written in the letter saying, place Uriah in the front of the most fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. So, long and the short of that is, Uriah carries his own death sentence, and David is going to have Uriah killed to cover up his sin of adultery, uh, sleeping with another man's wife, and now he's trying to cover up the pregnancy of Bathsheba. And so, uh, again, not a great act of a godly man, but Again, God forgives him. I mean, you need to really study and read uh, Psalm chapter 51, where uh, here is David talking about his prayer, and he said his, his, his sin is forever uh, before him. You know, he, he's, Nathan will come to him, uh, the prophet, and give him this story about a somebody who steals a sheep and 
and then Nathan will point the finger and say, you're that man. I mean, David is, he says, I'm guilty, I've sinned. Well, okay, here is repentance, and there's his grace. Under that old law, uh, David should have been stoned to death. Even though he's king, uh, he cannot break uh, his own laws. He cannot break God's law either. He's, uh, he's bound by that. And so, again, uh, not saying that uh, murder is a good thing, because it is not, but it is forgivable. And so, again, David, a great man, wrote the book of Psalms, 90% of it. He's, he is uh, a hero uh, of the Jewish people. Every king uh, from David going forward in time would be compared to David as being a great king, or was he not a great king? And so, again, repentance, uh, David's asked for forgiveness, and David, I mean, again, the Psalms are just full of beautiful, beautiful prayers. And so, again, the prayers are not a work. And then, of course, we have in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in chapter 7, uh, in verse 58 in particular here. Uh, I'll give you a second to get there. Acts chapter 7, verse 58. We call him the Apostle Paul. But here, uh, he is called Saul. And it says here, uh, when they had driven him out of the city, referring to Stephen, the first martyr of, of the Bible, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Okay, here is Saul. He is at the first um, execution recorded uh, of a Christian believer. And so he put his stamp of approval on murder. Uh, verse 8, I mean, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 1 says, Saul was hardly in agreement with putting him to death. So uh, if you are in agreement with that, you put your stamp of approval on it. That's the same as pulling, uh, ending that man's life. In Acts chapter 9, verse 11, uh, here again is uh, God talking uh, to uh, Saul. says, Get up and go to uh, the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man uh, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him so that he may regain his sight. And so I can only imagine what uh, Paul is going through at this time in his time of prayer. Um, it sure had to be a rude awakening. He knows he's persecuted and killed uh, many Christians. He's thrown them in prison. Not a nice thing to do. Acts chapter 26, verse 10. Uh, again here, and this is what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many saints in prisons, having received the authority from the chief priest, but also uh, when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them in all the synagogues, I, I tried to force uh, them to blaspheme. Okay, and again, if you read Acts chapter 26, this is Paul's testimony in a court of law. 
uh, while he's being imprisoned for being a Christian. He is going over uh, his conversion. Uh, he's going through what he did prior to becoming a Christian and being forgiven. Okay, and so again, Paul is credited for writing the majority of our New Testament. Another one that uh, is mentioned in the New Testament, and you can find this in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, would be Samson. He, uh, he's controlled by lust, and you can read about him in Judges chapter 16, uh, and how under Jewish law, uh, he should have wanted to be married to a Jewish woman. He was not really supposed to marry outside of the Jewish faith. Uh, so he wants to marry a Philistine woman, and his parents uh, try to talk him out of that. But in the long run, uh, Samson gets his way, and he goes to this wedding feast. And so you can see, uh, again, that Samson uh, would repent in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. And Samson did you know, a lot of things. He slept with prostitutes. He chased, he was a womanizer, okay? And so uh, he lusted after women, and he followed through with those lustful desires. Again, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, you're going to find that God has wrote his name forever as a man of great faith, okay? He's in the hall of fame uh, of people in the Bible. And the next question is, uh, and this is from Germany. What weapons were used in the war in heaven? Well, let's turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, and starting in verse 7. And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. Verse 8, And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And he was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, we don't have a lot of information about the war in heaven other than basically what I just read, that uh, Satan, the devil, uh, the evil one, uh, Satan's actually a fairly new term used in the English language. It's not, uh, it's really not that old. But the devil uh, thought he was better than God. He, he wanted to sit on God's throne. And God, obviously, uh, being the creator, uh, would have obviously more power and was able to uh, that cast him out of heaven. Again, it, it, there is no information about what weapons uh, were used. I know we're, we're on this earth and this planet. We can look back and see uh, knives and stones to spears to gunpowder and, and so on until the modern-day laser. Uh, we think of those type of weapons being used in warfare, but the Bible really... Uh, it's not really clear about weapons that were used. We just know that there was a war, and uh, Lucifer lost. He, he was cast out 
of heaven and along with uh, those who stood behind him and so I'm not trying to avoid your question I just that's the best answer I can come up with is I don't know what weapons were used at all other than the power of God okay our last question comes from Oklahoma City and it is uh, should a Christian be a Democrat or a Republican well this is a, an interesting question uh, the Bible doesn't talk about political parties you know I, I truly believe in in our country and you live in Oklahoma City that you should vote and you should be involved as a Christian uh, to have your government leaders whether it's local or federal or state that uh, they are upholding uh, would stand up for uh, Christian biblical values there is absolutely nothing wrong with that you have to start asking yourself uh, the person I'm voting for where do they stand on abortion where do they stand on homosexuality where do they stand on and it can keep going on with the list those are the two hot topics right now that's why I, I use those I mean but there's human rights there's taking care of our elderly uh, you know we we need to understand that we are accountable for our actions on the day of judgment and are we going to vote people in the office that would stand in opposition of God and so we that's why I really stress very hard that um, we need to read our Bible we need to know what God expects of his people we're claiming to be uh, Christian we're claiming uh, that we go to church and that we believe the entire Bible and so on then uh, we need to be uh, living that in our, in our work area at school uh, with our family our friends and that includes also when we go to vote does that mean that the person that we uh, believe would hold up to those values and morals will win uh, no I mean Romans chapter 13 gives us uh, idea of this concept of government and without authority and laws people really would live in a lawless society uh, Christians again we were to pray uh, for our government leaders first uh, Timothy chapter 2 in the first uh, eight verses Paul would talk about praying uh, for those who are in those leading roles that they uh, would be uh, God-fearing they would allow us to worship freely uh, without worries or fears and persecutions uh, I know first uh, Peter chapter 2 uh, verses 13 through 17 also talks about honoring the leaders of the of our nation and whoever is in office whether you agree with them or not if it's in your political party or not you really should pray for them that uh, they would really open up to God and let God lead them in the decisions that they make uh, for the people that they are supposed to represent and uh, you know uh, those people that say they're going to do those things that you believe are scriptural uh, are biblical and they don't well election time we can vote them out and so 
This word politician really does not appear in the Bible anywhere. Uh, we do read about politicians, for example, Herod, uh, Pilate, Agrippa, and so on. Uh, but this word uh, really means politician. It's just simply one who's involved in politics. And that really has to do with government affairs. Uh, and so uh, there's lawyers uh, in the Bible talked about a lot. Uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 45, 46 and 52. Uh, many of these people thought they were uh, self-righteous by their works and by what they were doing and they had high positions and uh, wanted to influence people. And so, and Jesus would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those people. Uh, the Sanhedrin in general, uh, those were we, what we would probably call modern-day politicians. Jesus was always uh, having issues with those people. They were at odds with each other. They wanted power and they wanted control and uh, Jesus was taking that away from them and so uh, they felt threatened. And I believe that's part of the reason that they uh, went after Jesus to uh, execute him, to remove him and so that they could get back uh, the control that they once had. But Jesus made it clear, to, again, to, to listen to those people, to pay your taxes. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 6, uh, is very clear that we are supposed to pay our taxes. And somebody's going to email me and say, well, my taxes pay for abortion. Well, sadly, you're probably very correct. But I just like to think that whatever taxes I pay uh, are going to fix a bridge or something. So, uh, I hope and pray that's really what's happening. Again, uh, we have a corrupt system because mankind really is sinful. Uh, they're greedy and they love power and control over people. And we, uh, we really need to uh, understand that uh, God is really the one in control in the end. You know, that's part of the book of Revelation. Uh, it's happy hunting ground this book is for anybody who wants to sell a book or uh, promote whatever idea there is but really part of the theme of, of the book of Revelation the government there is really persecuting uh, Christians they're going through hard times and and it was really bad and God's going to acknowledge to the to the seven churches that that letter was really written to that it does look bad from your side, and it is bad, but just know this, from my side of the fence, everything is going exactly the way I want it. I'm in control, things are um, happening the way I want them to happen, and that He, uh, God will take care of His people, He will always take care of the church. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, I'm not saying it would be fun, but when it's all said and done, God is in control. And so, uh, I think again, Christians should vote in every election that you're able to, to legally uh, vote in and that uh, look for those Christian, those moral values that the Bible talks about. Well, Hazel, I hope that answers your question. I certainly thank you for, uh, for listening. I think everybody who uh, listens, we pray constantly for the church uh, around the world that is persecuted. Uh, many of our listeners, over half in general, are in countries where Christianity 
is not the leading religion of that country. In fact, uh, many of them, uh, the people there, have um, another religion that they really have to deal with that they could really be uh, in a lot of trouble with. And so we pray every every day. It, all, all of us who proclaim to be Christians and following Christ will have troubles with our government, with co-workers, whatever, neighbors. And that's just the way it is. And we need to know that if we're being persecuted and we're being mocked or made fun of, we're probably doing something right. And we just need to know and thank God that we're able uh, to be able to be in those shoes. I look for the day of eternity with him forever. I I know there's a famous book out, uh, You Can Have Your Best Life Now. Well, I want my best life with Christ forever in his kingdom of eternity. I hope this answers many other people's questions. I have found over the years that uh, somebody has one question, generally speaking, uh, that there's many other people that also have that question. Again, you can submit your questions to us through our webpage at biblicalquestion.com and there is a contact us page and make sure you put in the uh, subject line uh, question and that way it catches our eye uh, quickly because we get a lots of spam and that way I can dig through it easily and find it. Again, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and may He have the glory. Thank you.